On this week's episode of the Vero Beach Social Media Pop-Up Podcast, we talk to the Treasure Coast foodie, Thomas Miller. We talk about all the great restaurants on the Treasure Coast, what it's like being a food blogger, and a cool little way that you can save a few bucks on your next meal. Give it a listen. You're going to love it. I guarantee it. Here we go. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Vero Beach Social Media Pop-Up Podcast. I am Curtis Carpenter. I'm here with Thomas Miller. We are at Cafe 66. And these people don't know it, but we're taking two on this. We just did like a 15-minute <laughs> podcast. I did not hit record, uh, but we're going to do it all again. So how are you today? Doing fine. Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. So Thomas Miller, for anybody that doesn't know you, the Treasure Coast foodie. Right. Um, I don't know what a foodie is, so um, why don't you tell not only me, but the, the listeners, uh, what's a foodie? A uh, foodie is somebody who um, seeks out dining experiences, not necessarily out of hunger, but out of uh, want to uh, experience something new. Um, as you know, food can be made into how many different types of, uh, you know, different options. There's so many different ways to prepare food and so many different ingredients that you can combine that the flavors and textures are always going to be different. So we're always looking for that one bite, that one delicious bite that you take and you're in heaven when you taste that. So we're always looking for places to eat and new foods to eat and experience something new. So I need to figure out how to make this my job because I love food. I eat it out of want uh, too often. Um, how did you come into this career? I was an IT guy for about 22 years and during that time I thought how can I do something in food? When I was a young kid I wanted to be a chef and uh, I discovered how long the hours are and how bad the money is so I went into IT full time, did that for 22 years but food became very important over the last 10 years to me and I was trying to find a way that I could do food but still keep the day job. Well blogging kind of fell into my lap. I was uh, living back in Indiana before I lived here there's a farm called Seven Sons Farm that actually does pasture-raised beef, you know, pasture uh, pork. They do eggs. They do everything. And as a customer, um, I just started working with them, and they saw that I was passionate about what I did, and they asked me if I would want to create some recipes for them. So we started creating recipes and blogging for them. Um, in that, during that time, I moved to Florida. And they continued to send me frozen product to continue creating recipes for them. So it kind of got me started there. And there was a photograph that I took of what's called the Epic Bunless Burger. It was basically, or you know, the organic grass-fed beef, organic ingredients, you know, and a, a nice fried egg on top of the burger. So it looked fantastic. I entered that in the local food photo contest, and I won first place. And that just kind of kicked it off. It kind of told me maybe I'm doing something right here, and I need to pursue this further. I love it. So um, we didn't talk about this in the first podcast that I didn't record, but sure. I am going to bring it up now. I started doing some, um, I'm trying to avoid seed oils, and you talked about this all pasture-raised beef with the egg on it, and I'm just right. like, my mouth is salivating right now, because that's the type of stuff I've been eating. Right. So, so when you do this stuff, um, do you look for certain particular types of food? Are you a seafood aficionado, or, or barbecue, or certain meats, or salad? Is there a certain type of food as, you look for? As a foodie, we love all types of food. I mean, there is one food that I would consider my kryptonite, and a, a lot of my readers already know what that is before I even say it, uh, but broccoli, uh, it is green, like kryptonite, so it is it is my kryptonite. Now, you do have to cook it, cook it thoroughly and then cover it with some kind of a sauce, and I can eat it. But just to eat steamed broccoli without anything on it other than butter and salt and pepper, there's no way. 
So I was going to ask, you can't be a picky eater and be a foodie, I imagine. Not really, no. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, so you visit these restaurants, you write these blogs. Where can people find the blog? It's on my website, uh, treasurecoastfoodie.com, and also it gets shared on my uh, Facebook page, uh, the Treasure Coast Foodie and Saver Club. Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit uh, about Saver Us. I mean, we're going to go back to Treasure Coast Foodie. We're going to talk a lot about that. But sure. You said Saver, and that sure. tr- triggered me. So Saver Us is a business that you own where you do a lot of digital stuff for restaurants? Correct. Saver Us LLC is my primary business. I do digital services for restaurants that includes social media content creation, promotion. I also build, host, and maintain websites for a lot of restaurants around town. Cafe 66, you know, we're here. They're one of my clients fantastic so again thank you Lacey and Dan for letting us do this here they're amazing we eat breakfast here every Friday morning I love this place Tammy's always my waitress and uh, yeah we walk in and I hey how's it going I mean they're yeah. like the friendliest people here so uh, so yeah Savers I want to make sure you got that plug before uh, appreciate we, we that on. so back to um, Treasure Coast Foodie you do a couple of different events and one is the is it the Golden Fort Award? correct Let's talk about that. That got started back in 2016. I think uh, the second year I was actually uh, started blogging in this area. And I wanted to recognize the restaurants in a way. And when we started out, we did best seafood, best burger, best steak kind of categories. But I thought as time went on, I'm going to have two seafood dishes that I need to have you know, to honor a restaurant for. So having one category for best seafood really didn't make sense. So the awards kind of morphed into the top 10 best things I've tasted over the last year. And I pick a chef of the year and a restaurant of the year. So for quite a few years, that was actually just an article that was, you know, digital on my website. And then I started thinking, why don't we bring this into an event where people can attend and taste the food from all these different restaurants in one night? You know, they're they're tasting food from my top picks. I think a lot of people in this area trust my opinion on what and where to eat. You know, I've got a reputation about knowing what and where to eat. So I thought, what a great idea, bring all these together in one evening and, that, you know, let people come and taste it all at once. And so is there an award... Is that just an event, or, or, or are there awards and judges in that event now? Now that people are there trying it all, do they get to decide which one they like the best? Prior to this year, 2019 was the first year I did that, and it was just honoring the 12 restaurants that I picked as the best. But this year, we actually took it up a notch, and we uh, we brought in a panel of three judges, and the three judges tasted the dishes that were served on the night of the Golden Forks, and they narrowed it down to the top four. Those top four actually moved on to an event two weeks later called the Treasure Coast Master Chef Competition. So I gave the chefs a $10 per plate budget. They had to come up with a Master Chef worthy dish, and then they came to the Elks Lodge, which is where we hosted that event, and they had to create their Master Chef worthy dish and serve it to our guests. The same judges that judged at the Golden Forks were also back for that one. So they were judging the top MasterChef dishes. And we did have a People's Choice Award category. So everybody there dining that night got an opportunity to vote for their favorite as well. And so uh, we are shooting this, I don't know, today is like March 8th or 9th. When, when was this? When, when was this? February 8th was okay. the Golden Forks, and then February 22nd, so we're just fresh out of those. 22nd was the Gold, uh, MasterChef event. So what were the best dishes? From the, the Golden Forks or from yeah. the MasterChef? From the MasterChef. The MasterChef, uh, there was four restaurants involved. Armani's Cucina ended up in fourth place. Okay. Uh, we had the Wave uh, Kitchen and Bar from Costa de Este who came in third. Um, 
Cobalt came in second place, and then uh, Cafe 66 right here came in first place. And I swear on my life, I did not set that up. <laughs> like, we're shooting here, I did not know that they got first. That's hilarious. And they also got uh, People's Choice on the night of the uh, MasterChef event. So they, that is uh, hilarious. They've won a lot of awards. And let me go back to the, the Golden Forks real quick. They also were one of the top-winning restaurants at that one. So between the two events, they won probably five different awards. <laughs> That is, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm laughing like that is hilarious to me. That, oh, it's like, great. This is where we're filming, and all yeah. of a sudden, like, they won all these awards. I had no clue. Absolutely. Um, that's amazing. And again, Lacey and Dan, they're, they're tremendous, and, and obviously, so is their food. Um, so, and, and, and maybe this isn't fair to all the restaurants in Vero or the Treasure Coast that you've tried, but do you have a favorite restaurant? I'm sitting at it. <laughs> Or if you, I, if you, if you I eat here frequently. Yeah, if you don't want to answer, I get it. <laughs> As a foodie, um, there's so many different foods that I like, and there's, they're located at so many different restaurants. To try to ask a foodie to pick one restaurant of that's their favorite is very, very difficult to do. I get that question more often than you think. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm curious what your favorite restaurant is, but I get it. If, if you're trying a bunch of different foods at a bunch of different restaurants, there's probably a lot of things that you like. Um, might be difficult to pick your favorite. Right. Um, <clears throat> So let's talk a little bit. Um, you have another thing that you do. Uh, actually, before I go, before I go into that, I, I do want to bring something up. So you did the um, you did the event where you had the four restaurants and you had ten dollars per plate. Did you video that at all? We did not video that. No. That would be really cool. I think to get because my wife watches this stuff with Guy Fieri and like, right. You know, hey, you got you know seventeen cents and three ingredients and you got to make something and all of a sudden these guys make like five star dishes. Right. That'd be really neat. I don't know. Just, a suggestion. We're looking for sponsors for next year's event. Okay. So if uh, any business is uh, interested, they can contact us, and uh, we can you know we can get them more information as time gets closer to the event. But uh, you know we're always looking for sponsorship. Um, we partnered with the Source Ministries as our charity for this event, so we were able to give them a check. I think it was eight hundred and thirty-six dollars and fifty-six cents. So we presented that to them yesterday after the event. So it was great to be able to support them and the work that they do in this community. Um, so we're always looking for sponsors. These events are expensive, terribly expensive. Uh, lots of work, lots of time. So it's uh, it's very important to have sponsors to help offset those costs. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I, I think we need to sponsor somehow. <laughs> so we'll figure, I'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll figure all that out. I, I like the concept. I like the idea. The reason why I brought up the video is because I want to talk about another thing that you do that is on video called Holy Grail. Holy, Holy Grail Foods? Holy Grail Eats. Holy Grail Eats. I apologize. No worries. Holy Grail Eats. There's one season out. Correct. All right. Let's talk about it. How you find it. What are you doing? I want to hear about this. It's, uh, it was a concept in the back of my head for a long time. I never thought it would actually get produced. Um, I've been writing for Visit Indian River County, the local Chamber of Commerce tourism site, for about the past year and a half. Almost two years now, I think, this June. And I pitched the idea to them. And they loved the idea. And they said, let's fund it. Let's film it. So... Uh, I got busy on that. It's the first time I've ever done anything behind the, you know, in front of the camera. I've always been behind the camera. So I had to prepare myself to be like a Guy Fieri type of host uh, in front of the camera, which was difficult. I was worried that I wouldn't do a good job, but I think I, I did an okay job. Everybody's told me it looks okay. Um, but I, uh, the restaurant selection was done by crowdsourcing. We actually asked people, what's the best thing you ever ate in this area, in Indian River County? And we narrowed it down to the top 10, and then we filmed the top six. So going into season two, we're going to be filming again here in May. We've still got four restaurants from that original list that we're going to go to and then film there. And then we're going to look for a couple additional places to include. So we're going to film three episodes 
two episodes or two restaurants per episode, so we get a total of six restaurants. And did you do three episodes in the first season? We did. Okay, and where can I find that? I want to watch that. Uh, on my YouTube channel, you can find uh, uh, Holy Grail Eats. Just search for that on YouTube, and you can find the three episodes. Uh, there's a short teaser there that kind of introduces me and the series, and also there's a behind-the-scenes. Nick Verola of Verola Media actually is the one who filmed that. He's got a great. Uh, great crew and uh, great credibility he's done some stuff for discovery channel and i knew at that point um him and i talked a few years prior and i said if i ever get to do a foodie show you're my guy and it actually came true and we actually got to got to work with him so we're working with him again here in may coming up love it that's awesome so um i love nick he does fantastic job yeah he's amazing um so i do want to talk a little bit about treasure coast foodie how far north and how far south do you go to eat well, obviously, the, the name kind of gives it away, the Treasure Coast, but I call it Treasure Coast Extended uh, because it's a little easier to identify the, the northern city of Melbourne. It's a little bit north of the Treasure Coast, but it gives me a little bit further reach, and as far south as West Palm Beach. So just a, just a little bit outside the Treasure Coast, but it's a n nice northern and southern city that people can identify if I say. If I say, like, Grant, Valkyrie, you know, a lot, not a lot of people are going to know that, or Sebastian is kind of like the north of of the Treasure Coast, so it's one of those where it's a nice a nice boundary uh, and a nice large area for me to cover. Perfect, perfect. And we were talking before, you said you did like daily, uh, I forget what you called it, but basically you would go and you'd visit three or four or five restaurants in a day and kind of blog about that? Foodie day trip. Foodie day trip. It's one of my newest. I want to go on one of these with you. It's one, do this? Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Well, it's take a, a day or two and we hit a def bunch of different restaurants in the same day and kind of go eat a little something, photograph. Uh, do some Instagram stories, things of that sort, you know, kind of create some nice social media content. And then, of course, we go back and uh, do an article about it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely signing up to be uh, the, the guests in that one. <laughs> However, how we do, Ashley's over there raising her hand like, I want to be in this. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're definitely in on that. In our first podcast that we didn't record 20 minutes ago, uh, we got to talk a little bit about um, smoking food, barbecue, um, is that your favorite type of food? I know that I, I know you said, oh, but we like everything because we're foodies. But right. I guess if you're making food, again, we're sitting here at Cafe 66 with barbecue. Is that kind of your thing, barbecue? or Barbecue is where I excel at when, when it comes to cooking. Right. Uh, I had mentioned that uh, brisket is like the Mount Everest of meats to learn. That's where we found out that we weren't recording. We were right. in that conversation, and then right. we didn't get to finish. So I wanted you to actually get to finish that part of the story. So if you cook brisket wrong, it turns out like uh, shoe leather or the elastic in your underpants, and it turns out really bad my first couple were, were that way you'd cut it and it, you know it was stringy it was horrible um, so I, I eventually learned the right process by reading and watching videos uh, of course we talked about Aaron Franklin you know out of uh, Austin Texas Franklin barbecue he's got a master class series and he did some videos about five years ago that talked about brisket and what he does to cook it so I thought well let me start at the hardest one the rest of them will just fall in line you know you, you kind of learn from the hardest one and then everything else just kind of falls in uh with with cooking barbecue so that master class is amazing by the way he starts with a pork butt and again this is what got me to, to buy a pellet smoker because right. i'm not going to get a regular smoker we talked about this i'm not going to sit right. around all day stoking the fire you know turn turn the dial let the pellets go in let the flame go i'll check on it every hour so i'll drink the beer you won't we, right we right talked about that they didn't get it but um but yeah, this masterclass, he starts with a pork butt, then he goes to ribs, then he teaches you how to make a steak all over like an open flame, which right. is amazing. And then he, he, there's like three or four episodes on how to cook a brisket, and I was like, how are there four episodes on how to cook a brisket? This is like... This seems like an incredibly complicated process, so I guess my question to you is, fat side up or fat side down, how do you do it? I'm a fat side up kind of guy, 
because Everybody I, I fat side up. because I believe that the fat as it melts kind of helps base the meat and helps keep it moist during the cooking process. So again, I'm a novice when it comes to. I mean, I'm very good at eating food, but I don't know anything about it. What's the argument for the fat side down? I've never heard a good argument. I've never heard an argument. I don't. Before. I don't you know. Do it that way. Now, I will say that I had one trick that I've tried in the past, and it's actually to take it and throw it on the grill, like a gas or, bar- or a gas grill or a wood grill, and sear it like a steak, because then it creates a little bit of a crust on the outside of the brisket, and then you put it in the smoker. And then that way it kind of helps seal in some of the juices, and I'd recommend that on the cheaper cuts of meat, more like your choice. Um, I don't recommend choice, but if that's what you can afford, that, that could be something that can help you keep that more moist, because the flat end of it, the thinner part will dry out very quickly if there's not a lot of fat in there. Gotcha. I have a friend of mine that smokes it, and I don't know how long he does it for, but he smokes it for a little bit, and then once it's got the bark, he takes it out and puts it in the oven. And he says because at that point you don't really need the smoke. The smoke is what creates the bark. Right. And then you don't really need all you really need is the heat. And he turns the because he doesn't have a pellet smoker like the right. smart people like us. You know, he's right. stoking fire. So he puts it in the oven and then lets it finish there. And then he puts it in a cooler or something and lets it. Four to six hours is all the smoke it's going to absorb. So at that point, I wrap it. A lot of people call the foil wrap a Texas crutch. Um, okay. I also put a little beef stock in the foil and it kind of braises the meat, helps further tenderize it. I can get a brisket done in eight hours and then you pull it out. Keep it wrapped in the foil and put it in a cooler, wrap it with towels for an additional two hours. And that the meat will still continue to cook. And if you reach in to pull it out, you're still going to need hot pads because I burn my hands every time, forgetting that the foil and the meat is still so hot from sitting in the cooler even two hours later. But then at that point, bring it out, let it dry off a little bit, and then slice it up. Give it maybe 30 minutes, uh, you know, 30 minutes before you slice it, let the juices kind of settle in, and then you're good to go. So you start a brisket at, let's say, 7 a.m. You can be eating it at right. 6 p.m. Absolutely. Dinner. Oh, man, i got to figure out how to do this. I love brisket, but again, I'm not very good at cooking. So, <laughs> um, so with Treasure Coast Foodie, you're doing this blogging, you're doing the Savor Us. Um, what other, Do you have any other events or any other things that, that you do that involve the restaurants? I mean, obviously, you're showing up. You let, you let them know that you're coming. Right. Um, do you have any other events, anything else that you do with these restaurants? We do uh, monthly foodie meetups. Uh, they're limited usually to 36 to 40 people, depending on how the restaurant, how many people the restaurant can actually handle. Um, there's a ticket cost of like $11 per person, and we use that money to buy some shareable appetizers. So if you were to walk in the door with 10 bucks, you're going to get one appetizer. So I work with the restaurants to provide like a trio, uh, a sampling of some of the different appetizers that they have to offer. So that way our guests get a little, uh, a little different taste. You know, not just one, one item like they would get when they dine at the restaurant themselves. So. We usually do those weeknights when the restaurants are least busy, like Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And uh, everybody orders drinks, and if they want more food, because it's not meant to fill you up. It's just meant to give you a little taste of what the restaurant has to offer. So how do you pick the restaurants that you do these meetups at? Roll the dice, uh, random random generator, you know, uh, <laughs> who I haven't been to in a while. Uh, I try to do... Um, only one restaurant one time per year. So it keeps the meetups fresh. We're not always repeat the same place. That way there's always something new. And a fair amount of people start following me, so those become new again to them. But we still get our regulars. We have quite a few regulars that follow all the time, and I see it just about every event. But they enjoy following and um, and coming to the events. You know, they get a taste of the apps, you know, something they might not order themselves. Sure, sure. So I imagine most restaurants are excited to have you. Have you ever had a restaurant, don't name them if you have, but have you ever had a restaurant that's like, no, I don't, 
what you got this year? <laughs> Not really that anybody's turn is down, but during season, a lot of restaurants are super busy, and it's just difficult to try to get in there. But that's why we try to do it on off nights, like a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. You know, the least busy for the restaurant. Sure. Yeah. With season, I mean, places are packed. I mean. I've noticed that there are a lot of staffing issues in a lot of restaurants. Are you finding that as an issue? I mean, I know you're a foodie, but when you're writing the blog and you go to these restaurants, do you notice that there's a staffing issue at a lot of these places? Everybody's hiring. Anybody in the the food industry or the hospitality industry right now can pretty much pick a restaurant and go work there because every place is hiring. Every place is short-staffed. That's why we always say it's important to be a little patient. If you're going out to eat, you're going out to eat to relax. You know, enjoy yourself a little bit. Don't be in a hurry and make sure you tip your waitress as well because it's important. That's their livelihood. If you know exactly what most restaurants pay them, it's ridiculous. A lot of them rely on the tips for most of their their income. So you really need to make sure you're, you're tipping well. I love that message. You know, growing up, my mom was a waitress for a long time, and I, I remember, you know, it was like, hey, if it was a good night, we were doing well, and if it was right. a bad night, it was, it was rough, you know, as far as how much money she'd make on tips and all that stuff. So I, I love the message, and I'm appreciative of that. But uh, yeah, so I was just curious if you're running into the same thing, because I'm not going to restaurants as often as you are. I mean, maybe once a week, twice a week, right. maybe, but I mean, I feel like you're at them all the time. How <laughs> often do you actually meet out? Uh, at least once a week with my parents, but then usually at least one other time for a restaurant review or something like that. Working with one of my clients, of course, you know, I'm always taking pictures of food. So my camera roll, if you see that, is like food, 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 cat, food, 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 wife, food, 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 cat, you know, kind of thing. But it's mostly food, so. Gotcha, gotcha. So how hard is it for you to go out and actually enjoy a meal without working? Are you always kind of thinking that foodie mindset when you're out eating somewhere? Absolutely. It's my job. I mean, the restaurants are where I feel comfortable at, but it's always a work environment for me. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting. I was an x-ray tech for a long time. I'm like, people would always ask, oh, what do you think about my arm or this and that? First of all, I was not a physician. I was like, I can't tell you anything about your arm. But I'm like, man, I just worked like 12 hours. And now you're going to bug me about this? Like, I wondered as a foodie if it was your job. Like, you do social media marketing. You know, people ask me all the time about Facebook, this, Facebook. And I'm like, right. oh, man, like, can't I just enjoy whatever I'm doing for a second? <laughs> they always say, where do you want to go to eat for your birthday? I'm like, well, that's a tough decision because there's so many different places that I like. And being that I am in a restaurant environment or eating out or eating this amazing food all the time, it's not as special as it used to be to go out and dine for your birthday. So we were talking a little bit uh, before the first podcast that we didn't record, um, and you were talking about the, the competitive eaters. So what I want to ask you is for somebody that eats out a lot, you're in decent shape. Like, how do you prevent from getting so big? When I'm doing a review, obviously there's there's multiple dishes, usually a minimum of four different dishes that are served to me to photograph and taste for the article. I, I need to know how it tastes in order to write a little bit about it. But I'm taking a few bites and putting the rest into go containers and then you know snacking off of them when I get home. But if I'm writing, then I can eat a little bit more or you know take another bite and go, oh, that's the way it tasted. Yeah, I remember that now. But I'm pretty good memory-wise to look at a photograph and remember how it tastes. It's just a skill that I've developed over the years. I used to write notes. I'd get paper out and I'd start writing notes down, how did this taste, you know, different things that would remind me or trigger my memory when I'm writing. I don't do that anymore because I've got good enough at it that I just know from from looking at the picture. Man, yeah. I was thinking also, um, before we got on here, I was like, man, what a career. This guy comes out, he tries food, he blogs about it, he writes about it. How difficult would that have been without social media, without technology today? I mean, I guess people did it, but they were more food critics. 
What kind of career would this have been 40 years ago, 30 years? More newspaper-based, of course, print print media, uh, which is more difficult, obviously. I mean, you're taking photographs uh, with a film camera at that point. Uh, you don't know if it turns out or not. You hope it turns out. Um, with digital uh, cameras, of, of course, you know instantly if you have a great photo. Um, and social media is a great way to get the word out quickly to people because otherwise... You know, you rely upon a newspaper to be delivered for somebody to actually pick it up and read it. Obviously, you know, digital still somebody has to open their phone or go on, you know, their computer to see what you're doing. But still, it's so much easier today than it was 40 years ago. Oh, definitely. I mean, you can create Facebook groups, you can create Instagram hashtags, you can create all, I mean, all these different pathways and, and, and especially Instagram for food. I mean, are, are, do you lean on Instagram a lot or... I have an Instagram account. I post at least three times per week. Um, I use a social media aggregator because, you know, I've got busy doing other stuff, sure. and it's very important for somebody like me to be able to post ahead of time and, and make sure things things are out there uh, consistently. Yeah, I mean, Instagram is huge for food. But, so what is the biggest platform that you use that you get um, engagement and exposure with? Is it Facebook, I assume? Facebook is where I get the majority of my uh, traffic from that goes to my website. Obviously, I would say the website is probably second. Sure. Um, Instagram is growing, um, so it just takes time to grow an audience like that. Well, it's funny you say it takes time. We talk to clients all the time. They're like, I want to go viral. I want to get a million views right now. It's like, listen, it's not, it's not how it works. You know, like, it's going to take time and effort. Funny story. I post about food on my Instagram all the time. I made a reel of my cat, and it's gotten the highest number of views beyond the food that I posted. It still blows my mind. So it's so funny that you mentioned that. So me and some neighbors, we started a TikTok account. Okay. Okay. Uh, all big sports fans called Hall of Fame, yay or nay. HOF, yeah. uh, shameless plug. Uh, HOF, yay or nay on TikTok. And um, uh, so we do this stuff all the time. We've got 30 something clients. You know, we're constantly posting it. And we do some stupid video uh, that had Jeopardy on in the background. It got like 14,500 views or something wow. on it. <laughs> so I'm like, how dumb is this? this is, the algorithm is definitely broken. Um, Absolutely. So, so the cat reel got more than all of your food stuff. And yeah, and the car. I did one on my car, and that's the second highest one that uh, actually produced the most views. Right, and we're only talking 4,200 views for the cat, but that's the, the highest I've gotten. Right. But here you are. I mean, you're an expert on food. I would call you an, an expert on food. And sure. you're posting all about this and giving all this valuable information that nobody's watching. You have yeah. something about your cat. Yeah. <laughs> Social media is goofy, man. I'm telling you. So um, so this is kind of a uh, an out-there question, but... How long can you do this? Like, how many restaurants are there that you can eat at, that you can try, that you can write about? I mean, is it endless? I guess there are plenty of restaurants in the country, Treasure Coast Foodie. How long does this go on for? Well, um, I started out, of course, in Vero Beach and uh, expanded to the Treasure Coast uh, because Vero Beach, you know, is kind of a narrow market. Uh, there are only so many new restaurants that open up every year, and going back to each you know restaurant that I've already written about in the past, it's great because menus change, so we're always updating you know reviews with the different menu items and things. But expanding to the Treasure Coast and beyond um, is a good thing because now I mean the plethora of restaurants and new restaurants that open between that Melbourne and West Palm Beach is limitless. So I mean there's so many different places now that are open to me to be able to go to and write about and review. Yeah, you know, it used to be, and it, it may still be this way, but it was like 90% of restaurants that opened closed within a year. But now I notice that a lot of restaurants that are opening over the last year are still open and thriving and doing right. incredibly, incredibly well. What do you attribute that to? Do you think that's population? Or? I think it's uh, that our town is so seasonal. Uh, a lot of the restaurants that have been here for a long time know how to plan. Uh, they get most of their business during season from like January through April, and then the rest of the year they kind of coast with the locals. But they financially plan 
how to survive those lean times. And I think that's why we didn't lose as many places, you know, because of COVID and because of, you know, the higher prices that everybody's paying for food is that I think they just plan and they know how to better handle those lean times. I said that not necessarily about restaurants, but about businesses in general. Businesses that went out of business during COVID probably weren't great run businesses to begin with. And right. the ones that stayed afloat were like, okay, well, the strong survive. Right. I, I, that's definitely true for restaurants, uh, in, in my opinion. Anyway. Right. So, um, so anyhow, well, the Treasure Coast Foodie, we've talked about your events, the Golden Forks. Um, we talked about the, uh, the the Holy Grail Eats. We talked about competitive eating and how you stay in shape. We talked about well, I'm not competitive background. eating, but we do have. <laughs> no. Well, how about how, yeah, you're right. How competitive eaters stay in shape and how a foodie can stay in shape. Yes. Um, we've pretty much, uh, we talked about Savor Us. Right. Right. We do have one additional option that you may be interested in, and it's very important right now, especially with prices of everything going up, gasoline, food costs. I mean, everything's going to be, it's all going to roll downhill at some point with the gas prices up. So we're all going to be paying more for everything. Well, I offer a, a diner's club on my website called Saver Club, S-A-V-O-R, Saver Club, and I offer discounts at 80-plus different restaurants, craft breweries, food trucks, and a couple retail stores. Uh, the membership costs you five bucks per month. It's good for 30 days, and you can save at those different restaurants. Cafe 66 here, for example, since we're here, offers 15% off. So every single time you dine here, if you want to eat here seven days a week, they will honor that 15% off every single time you dine here. So if you eat out at least one time, you're going to make more than make your money back on that $5 per month you're paying me for the membership. So I eat breakfast here every Friday morning. I have to become a member, so I save my 15%. And then Absolutely. I'll save it all these other restaurants. Right. Done. How do I how do I get uh, how do I become a Saver Club member? TreasureCoastFoodie.com slash Saver Club will tell you a little bit more about how it works. We have a mobile app you can download, you log into your account, and then you can search through our list of restaurants. Every restaurant in our list offers some type of a discount. Discounts range from ten to fifty percent off. Buy one, get one, or free item with purchase. I'll tell you what, your background in IT, I think, has really come in handy with Saver Club. It has. <laughs> it's a, it's a word, it, the website's built on WordPress. Um, that's where I build all my websites. They have wonderful plugins that make it a little bit easier because I'm not a coder, I'm not a programmer, but I can figure things out. I'm one of those guys that likes to click on the advance button. Doesn't always know what I'm doing in there, but I can usually figure it out. I'll tell you what, I didn't really want to get into IT too much, but what I try and tell people all the time is when they can't figure something out, I'm like, it can't hurt to play with it. Just go in and click around. Right. You can always back out. You can always undo. You can always, you know. Google is your friend right. and YouTube University, I always tell people. Yep. There's somebody out there that figured it out and put a video of how to do it. <laughs> well, that's all I have. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. I like the Saber Club thing. I'm glad you added that. I had no clue about it. Huh? No, that's great. I think we talked about everything. So thanks for having me on today. No, you're welcome. So again, thank you, Dan and Lacey here at Cafe 66. And um, that's going to do it from us. Thomas, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.